Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 10th episode. It's a mini anniversary of our interview series on how do you make 2021 count for the business you love. Today's guest is, um, I would call her a demystifier for a lot of us. She has made a huge transition in 2020. And her role now is leading a virtual assistant company. And I believe for many of you listening today, this would be a really interesting demystifying experience about who VAs are, what VAs do, how to hire them, how to work with them, and potentially even how to become a virtual assistant yourself if you find yourself in a situation where you want to make a transition and help someone in the meanwhile. I would like to welcome Nicole Hausen. Welcome, Thanks so Nicole. much for having me. Glad to have you. We've uh, we've uh, been through a little rough journey in, in terms of getting together and we're finally here. I'm super honored to have you and today's episode, I believe, will be mega value packed. That's the goal. <laughs> so, Nicole, uh, let's introduce our listeners to where do you come from? Tell us about uh where do you live what's your background and introduce yourself please sure yeah so i grew up on a dairy farm um which is slightly ironic because i'm the least farm girl that you will ever find but uh, <laughs> i i came from those kind of roots and hard work and everything like that um and so um with this mindset of entrepreneurship because that was what how my dad kind of worked um mm. and didn't really have uh, he didn't work out of the home, uh, outside the home, and neither did my my mom. And so um, it just was kind of second nature, and it didn't really surprise me that I kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and I ended up seven years ago starting my social media marketing company. Mm -hmm. um, I needed a job that I could do from home, and I put an ad out on Kijiji, which is the Canadian version of Craigslist. Um, and not how I recommend people get clients, but that's what I did. And it worked one time, no one time only. Um, <laughs> and I got my first client, uh, they're from Canada, um, but their company is in the US and they had a second company in the UK. So it was really great to work with them and learn all about, um, social media and that sort of thing. As I started to grow my business, mm -hmm. um, I went to school for marketing and then, um, by the time I graduated, I had enough of a client base that it didn't make sense to shut it down and get a job at an agency somewhere else. So I kind of made a go of it and it's been an amazing journey since then. Wow. So did I understand correctly? So you've ventured, let's say, into social media marketing uh, and through working with your first client, you learned uh, through work, through practice, everything that has got to do with social media marketing then you went to school and got a marketing degree did i get that right yeah yeah cool and basically through the time when you were studying you were already uh serving clients and you were like killing two rabbits at the same time you were and working and studying in the field of uh, uh, your interest and as a result when you finished your degree you were continuing building up your company right absolutely yeah super uh, that's uh, that's an interesting thing. You also mentioned that uh, you, you've came to a stage 
where you burned out. How did that happen? Yeah, so the first time around when I grew my business, um, I got to have about 13, 14 clients and I didn't really have a team. I didn't have any systems. Everything was done manually. There was no automation. And uh, I found I was just running myself too thin. I was, I was staying up till one or two in the morning and then getting up crazy early again. Um, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't taking any time for me. Um, in the process of all that, I decided to get an office outside of the home which was one of the biggest mistakes I could have made at that time. Um, but I, I thought I needed an office. I needed all these things. Um, so I was working myself too thin. I wasn't making enough profit at all. I wasn't even paying myself um, very well. And um, I ended up burning out. And then because I was so overworked, I hadn't focused on refilling my pipeline. So as contracts ended, um, I went from having 13 clients to having two clients. Uh, which was a huge devastation. And then being burnt out, I didn't really have the energy to replace them. Um, and so I ended up kind of having to rebuild my business a second time and um, recover from that. Mm. So you were rebuilding the social media marketing business after the burnout? Yes. Yeah. Mm. How did that go? It went okay. Um, I, I enjoy social media in general, um, but I found as I was regrowing my business, um, my heart just wasn't in it. And I kept asking my mentors being like, you know what, like, I just don't know what my thing is. I don't know what my area of expertise is. I don't know what I want to do. Like, do I want to focus on LinkedIn? Do I want to be a Facebook ad specialist? What do I want to do? And I couldn't really figure it out. Um, and this past year, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic of all times. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I can't, I'm just going to shut the business down and get a nine to five somewhere. Like I just, this isn't working for me anymore. And so I got on a call with a friend and she's like, Nicole, you do not want to shut your business <laughs> down and get a nine to five. I know you don't. And I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, this is just, I'm not enjoying work anymore. I've been having trouble growing the business. And uh, she was like, okay, like, what do you enjoy doing? And I was like, well, you know, I love working with social media managers. It's so much fun. I get to like help them and support them in their businesses. The problem is I do this all the time and I work myself out of a job. And I was like, this isn't working for me. And uh, she's like, okay, so what if you were a virtual assistant and helped social media managers? And we explored the idea for a few minutes and what that would look like and what kind of work I could do for them. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this might be it. This could be the thing. So I agreed to give it one month to try it. And then if I didn't like it after a month, I was going to shut everything down. I was going to get a job at, the, at like a nine to five. Mm -hmm. so I uh, to a small group of people um, and said that I was going to try being a virtual assistant. Um, and if they knew anybody to let me know. And over the course of a week and a half or two weeks, um, I had 10 new clients. So it blew up really quickly. And it was all because I had built all these relationships with these social media managers that they knew that I knew what I was doing. They were like, well, it's a no brainer to hire you instead of somebody else that doesn't have any experience in the field at all. Um, so it was really interesting. Wow. I believe that for every single listener here, if you, if they find uh, like, okay, I will, I will speak directly to you listener. If you find yourself that you're running a business and you're running yourself thin, you're not enjoying what you're doing. 
one of the great examples that Nicole just gave is listening to yourself and asking yourself a question, what do you really enjoy? And Nicole's story right here is the idea of actually she loves doing social media marketing. And at the same time, she enjoys helping others to do social media marketing. And through her network, she combined the two things together, which synergized into a whole new business, whole new opportunity that she never perceived before. Nicole, let's, let's dive into this a little bit more uh, about the whole process of uh, finding yourself again. So uh, basically, as you said, right, you drive, drove yourself thin, you haven't enjoyed anything that you're doing, you're not even getting money, even though that you had like 13, 14 clients, which others would perceive like, well, you have clients, you should be successful, right? Or they can even, you know, say that 13, 14 clients is success, right? But not getting anything out of it and running yourself to for, for long hours, feeling alone, uh, doing everything yourself, not stop enjoying what you truly are passionate about is social media marketing. How did you come about to actually uh, talk to your friend about this issue? Do you remember like what was on your mind that you decided to share what you were going through? <laughs> yeah, so it's a funny story. This is so personal. I'm going to share it anyway. So inside scoop for anybody listening to this. Um, I had started dating a guy and I was like, I am not marriage material. Now, mind you, we dated, we had been dating for two weeks, but I was like, I am not marriage material. And so I was like, I got to get, I got to get a nine to five. I got to do something like, if we got married, it'd be a mess. This isn't a reality that I want for my life. And so it triggered this whole, like, I need to pivot. Um, and really all, all I needed was to sit down and realize like where I am in life is not where I want to be. And so that's really what, what it came down to. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then looking at what do I want my life to look like? Um, I had like built out, like, this is what I want to do for 2020. And these are the type of people I want to work with. Um, but I found it like, I was trying to force myself into a mold that I didn't really enjoy in the first place. So it, it wasn't, I wasn't being successful because my heart wasn't in it. Mm. Uh, what about the idea? Like you said, you, you sit down with, uh, with your friend and she told you to look at it from that perspective. Um, so before she mentioned it, you haven't had such kind of thoughts of uh, going and supporting those people as a business. Yeah. Like, I, I provide lots of value for people. Um, I'm a community manager in a group where we help social media managers. Um, so I'm super active in the community helping other social media managers. Mm -hmm. It just didn't occur to me at all um, that I could offer my services to people doing social media and then um, be able to help them in that, in that way. I believe for everyone listening, there's a, a second important idea that new ideas new perspectives into what is possible in life in many cases come from interaction with other people some are uh, let's say fortunate enough just like you nicole that you had a friend who was able to productively look at what you're doing understand it and direct your attention to an opportunity but for others who don't have uh, such close friends with whom you can open up you can actually go to a coach 
who will be for you, that person who would listen and ask you additional questions and provide you with new perspectives on what is possible. And uh, your story, Nicole, is, is a wonderful example where uh, you were in a situation where, where you do not understand where you are and what is possible, but you have an inner calling that I need to pivot. I need to do something new. And through that interaction with your friend, you got that simple idea of like, wow, I definitely, I, I am doing that already and I can try it out. And you gave it a shot. That's another big thing that it's not just like, oh, that's an interesting agenda. You actually told yourself that you, you even set yourself a time frame, which I super love the idea that you're not saying that I'm diving into this forever and I don't know how it works or whatnot. You say you, 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 you gave yourself a month to see how it goes and uh, you were always you had a different option after that like to go nine to five if it doesn't work out so you always provided yourself with different options of what is possible and that gave you uh, a mental uh, actually i want to ask you this question did it provide you with um, or in other words what did that decision provide to you in terms of actually taking up that challenge like when you told yourself like a month, let's try it. What did that enable you to feel? I was so relieved. I had a game plan. I knew like this isn't a forever thing. I, I kept feeling like I was climbing this mountain and never getting to the top. And so to realize I only have to get to like halfway up the mountain and then I can stop if I don't want to go any further. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Like this is this is doable. I can totally do this for one month. That's like 30 days. I can mm -hmm. do this. You can do anything for 30 days. Right. So Wonderful. I just, yeah. I was like, let's, let's give it a go. And then if I hate it, it's totally fine because it's only 30 days. Mm. Super. Uh, like, and that summarizes into a wonderful opportunity that turned out for you into a prosperous business and uh, like taking into like balancing the ideas like on one side you were doing the social media management you had 13 14 clients you were working long hours you're doing it alone and what is now what's now so your I new reality say that say that last part again sorry uh, i cut you off what is your what is your new reality um so now i've got a team of eight people we work on 26 plus different accounts um, for our clients. Um, we're hitting 11K months and I'm actually being able to pay myself out of my business, which is something that I haven't been able to do in a long time. I went from not being able to make a car payment to being debt free um, and in the last four months. Wow. And that's uh, like 11K uh, that needs to be uh, distributed in between all of your team or is that 11K for you specifically? That's our revenue. Revenue, cool, cool. And um, in, in your process, uh, do you hire all that team or are they like outsourced as well, uh, like contractors? Yeah, so they're independent contractors, all of them. Um, some of them are, interns and then some of them are paid um most of our team has um they started off as an intern first and then as they learned our business and they they proved themselves we just put offered them a paid position um mm -hmm. and moved them up 
um, from there. So that's kind of how we do our hiring at this point. Um, mm. Just we know they work with the team and they've proven themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been interesting. We have made a few hires that are outside of that scope, but um, for the most part, it's people that have already proven themselves to us. Um, if not, we have them do like a trial project um, first to make sure that what they're doing works. And mm-hmm. I've had people do it and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. <laughs> um, and there's no hard feelings because I just tell them I want to do a trial project mm-hmm. and I'll pay you for it, but let's do a trial project first and see how it goes. Mm. How did it feel like going from uh, working alone with such a load of clients and transitioning into where you have already a team built up? How, the, how different does it feel and what did it take for you to make that transition? Like, in, in, in you, like in your emotions, in your mindset? Um, it's hard to kind of hand things off um, for the most part. Like um, now we have such a great team and everybody works um, and does their part. And then I approve things for clients and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm a lot of, like a lot more hands off. But like when I first started, it was really hard to be like, okay, I need you to do this and then not touch it. Cause I'd be like, can you do this? And then I would start to do it. I'm like, oh my gosh, just let them do their jobs. <laughs> um, but I was so, I wanted to control it because I had for so long. Um, so learning like where my place was is not doing that anymore. And it's more communication between the clients and, and our team and that sort of thing has been really interesting. Um, mm. But I thrive now that I'm in my area of expertise. Mm. All right. And um like handing out and getting those first contractors in. Do you remember when you hired the first contractor? What was it like? Um, it was a little bit scary. I, I knew I needed her. She had been an intern for a little bit, um, but it, was, it wasn't it was a small hire. It was kind of, it was, I need you for 20 hours a week. And then three weeks later, I need you for 40 hours a week. Um, so it was really fast. Um, and, and to be able to say now I have somebody that works 40 hours a week for me, it, it still doesn't seem real. Um, but that's, we love her. She's amazing. She does all the things we need her for. Um, so it's been, it's been really beneficial. Um, but it, it was definitely scary. And especially when you get the first invoice and I mean, I'm super excited to pay her every time because mm-hmm. I know it's worth it. Um, and so it's not about that, but the first time I got that invoice, I was like, all right, like I have to let this go. Like if I'm going to hire her to do this, it's mm-hmm. hers now. It's, I, I have to step back. And so it was really forcing me to be, um, to go back to my area of expertise and take my hands off of everything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in the process, uh, like, uh, you've mentioned a really important thing here that, um, now hiring a person you understand that they're doing the majority of the work and uh, you have to pay them first before you pay yourself now um where do you find yourself in the business now in terms of what is your role compared to what it was when you were working alone so when i was doing everything by myself i was doing everything. So I was invoicing, I was doing emails with clients, I was creating the content, writing the copy, scheduling everything, um, handling the the management of comments and messages, um, 
everything. Everything was in my plate. I was doing my own bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to very carefully not destroy my website while I was doing things on there. <laughs> and I just, I was doing everything and a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. Um, so when I finally was like, all right, it's time to build a team. Like I hired somebody who takes care of my website. Now I don't upload blogs to myself. He does it. Um, like he, he builds things out on my site when I need them. Um, I, I have a bookkeeper now. I don't do my own bookkeeping because honestly, I mess it up more than I, I do it correctly anyway. And the accountant is going to save so much time going through it at the end of the year because they're taking care of it. So <laughs> I've moved myself out of all those pieces that I really shouldn't be doing, but I, because I was starting out um, and just beginning and I didn't have that team, I had to do everything. Um, so now all the stuff that's mindless, easy, um, like scheduling stuff for clients, it's just time consuming. It doesn't require really very much skill once you know how to do it um, and to have somebody else just do that for us now, instead of me being like, oh, okay, so this person needs to be scheduled. Like it might take an hour to schedule everything out, but that's an hour that I don't need to be spending on it when somebody else can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, and from a perspective of, uh, let's say, the, the whole process of being a virtual assistant, right? So uh, for uh, like understanding of our listeners, uh, tell us more about what is a virtual assistant what's its role in the business and maybe even what kind of role it can be yeah yeah so I, what we do for our clients is drastically different sometimes than what other people do but a virtual assistant is essentially it's a helping hand it's somebody you're going to hire um to kind of replace um yourself in the stuff that they don't do so just like on my team i have somebody now that i pay to schedule stuff some of our clients they pay us to schedule stuff. So it's just, they come to me, they ask me to do it. I ask my team member to do it at the end. Um, but that's what hiring a VA can look like. Um, you, It can be anything from creating content. Like a lot of our clients, because I was a social media manager for so long and because my clients are social media managers, they come to me when they need content created because they know I know what I'm doing. And so mm-hmm. to be able to have the team and I work on uh, creating content or scheduling or creating content schedules, um, writing blogs, I- Instagram engagement, uh, email inbox management, anything really. Um, the only things I don't do are websites and bookkeeping because <laughs> I've proven that that is not my area of expertise and somebody else can do that. Um, but for the most part, like, and you can find VAs that do invoicing and, and bookkeeping and and everything else. Um, it's just mm-hmm. kind of what I enjoy doing and what I can get my team to do is what we do. I believe that many listeners now, uh, including myself, um, have a question about a privacy as well as access to information. Can you tell us more about uh, how does the VA business handle that kind of question? Yeah, yeah. So we have NDAs and confidentiality agreements. Um, So all of our teams sign contracts um, and all of our clients sign contracts. And so it just covers everybody. Um, So the team can't talk about our client stuff to other people. Um, And then our, we don't share our clients information with anybody else. Um, So it makes it hard sometimes when people are like, oh, can I see like work that you've done in the past? And you have to be like, no, <laughs> no, I can't actually show you that. That's, that's, mm-hmm. uh, 
that's privileged. Um, but it has been really great. And I can reach out to my clients. I have such good relationships with them that I have video testimonials from half of them and um, written testimonials from people. Um, and we, we've proved we can do it. Um, mm -hmm. And we have people speaking on behalf of us. Um, but uh, yeah, you're definitely covered that way, especially with like inbox management and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's really private information sometimes. So you want to make sure that you're covered and um, everybody's covered in that situation. So uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, so you have a team that is uh, spread around the country and potentially around the world, right? Around the world, yep. And how do you manage to, uh, let's say, upkeep that agreement between like an, an NDA and not sharing info and so forth? Like, what is it built upon? Uh, so we have, yeah, that's a fun question. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, uh, so I don't know that I'm qualified <laughs> to answer this question. <laughs> I just know that what we've done is what we can do um, to kind of cover it. Um, stuff that with clients that, if they're really concerned about their privacy, um, I tend to do it for them. Um, and I don't outsource those things mm. um, just so that way they're dealing with me and not my entire team. So they know if, um, if somebody's in your inbox, it's me and not some random person you've never mm -hmm. met. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of, we, we look at what the client really needs. Um, and then if somebody is working on your account, I let all my clients know that we have a team, but if somebody else is going to be doing something for them, I just let them know. Mm -hmm. um, if it's something that I think they might be concerned about somebody else doing. Yeah, got you. And um, basically uh, about being, uh, right, and um, hiring a VA, what can you, uh, let's look look at the hiring part, right? Uh, a virtual assistant, I, what I hear from your business is that you started a virtual assistant business where uh, more or less it sounds like because you're serving social media managers and you have experience uh, in that background as well, uh, it sounds like you are a media agency rather than a virtual assistant agency. How do you uh, like keep yourself, um, uh, let's say, s separated in a field where uh, you're you're not positioning yourself as, hey guys, we are a media agency, we do advertising and marketing, uh, but is directed specifically for social media managers because uh, we can do the things that you need to outsource for you, and we 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 are a marketing agency. Why did you choose to be a VA instead? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> this is a really good question. Um, we're four months into this. My website still says we're a social media marketing company. And honestly, if I'm being honest, like the name of our business is AIM Social Media Marketing. We've shortened it to AIM Social for the most part, but I don't think I'm ever going to change that because we still do social media. Um, I still have social media management clients. If people come to me looking for it, I'm not going to turn them away. Um, mm -hmm. because I have a team now that can work on their accounts for me. So I don't have to do the stuff that I really can't stand doing. Um, I, I've been doing this for seven years. I have all the strategy required and all the experience in that sense. Um, so it's just getting people to kind of work on the accounts mm -hmm. with me. Um, so we haven't really veered off and said, we only do virtual assistants. It's just kind of another tier of what we do. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. totally makes sense. And I believe that every single listener who is uh, with us now, you, you could actually, uh, from here, 
take out a wonderful idea that pivoting doesn't mean that you have to give up what you're doing. It's just taking what you're doing right now, understanding who can use that or get value from it and provide them that value that they need. And basically what you were doing is that you were already helping social media managers you, you had a social media management comp, uh, social media management company and uh, you uh, through the help of your friend got the awareness that you can actually do the thing where you combine the two things together and mm -hmm. you provide assistance to the social media managers that you were helping anyway but just now you're getting money for that as well exactly yeah. <laughs> and now you're making even more money than you used to when you were, you were just doing social media management exactly fascinating that's that's interesting i, I wonder um for other industries that are out there uh specifically service-based um that would be interesting to know I, I would like to ask all the listeners who are listening to this go to comments where on a, a, any platform that you're listening on uh or for example or uh, go to facebook to uh life Organic podcast with alan late page uh, find the episode with uh, me and Nicole and share how do you see in 2021 uh, you can add more value to people in your industry, in, your, in the same profession as you, what kind of value can you provide to them? As Nicole's example, she's been a social media manager that understood that other social media managers need help and started helping them with the same thing she's helping clients and now she's making more money and creating new revenue streams and build a team that is actually helping her to do that so uh sharing comments uh if you if you can maybe even share in in youtube uh what do you see in your profession if you're a service provider how can you help other people in the same industry as you doing the providing the same services as you're providing how you can help them and create value for them and get paid to do that that's an interesting question i would love to hear that mm -hmm. <laughs> so diving back in into the questions um tell us nicole how do you manage to run a company with eight employees uh, working it yourself as well and at the same time, balance your uh, your relationships with your family, uh, with uh, with the business itself, and taking care of yourself. Yeah, so I have some serious boundaries that I've set up for myself. Um, for example, I don't work past six p.m. I'm really stubborn about that. Like six p.m. comes, and sorry, you're out of luck until tomorrow morning. Um, so I'm really cautious about um, what time I'm working. Um, I don't schedule meetings before 10 a.m. ever mm. um, because there is no reason anybody should be talking to me before I've had at least one cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just, it's, it, I'm not my best self. So I mm -hmm. really focus on making sure that I am my best self for um, my clients and the people that I'm working with. Um, it's setting boundaries in every area of my life, but knowing like, okay, from this time to this time I'm working and I'm, I'm unavailable. Um, that Super. sort of thing is all. That's, that's actually about, can you tell us, was it always like that? No, definitely not. Um, wasn't until about two years ago that I started, uh, with the 6 PM cutoff time. 
Um, and then um, just over time, kind of uh, more boundaries have come into place from there. But um, what inspired you? Um, I ended up having, so I uh, have some mental health concerns. And so I had had a bit of a breakdown and I was like, you know what, I got to do something to protect my business and myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, uh, one of the commitments that I made when I was doing my recovery was that I wouldn't work past 6 p.m. anymore. Wow. Powerful. And how did you manage to do that? Was it as simple like you decided and you did it or did you have a transition into it? Uh, it was a decided and then that was it. It's hard some days. Um, and if I'm being honest, there are days that I mess up and I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to real quick, just check my email. And it's like 930 at night and I'm just getting into bed. And I'm like, why did I do that to myself? I always regret it, but I'm still like, I, that's just how I am. Um, but like, I know, like if I get an email at 930 at night, you know, it's, it's there until the morning. I'm not going to respond to it. So I try not to even look. Mm -hmm. Um, and I try to unplug as much as I can that way. Um, okay. How, how do you separate uh, your uh, business environment, right? Business, uh, business number, chats, uh, resources, and your private life? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Um, uh, I was asking, like, how do you manage to, um, let's say, um, unplugging, uh, unplugging is one thing, mm -hmm. but do you separate your work environment, like online work environment and your private work environment so that they don't uh, interfere with each other? Um, so because I work in social media, that's super difficult to do <laughs> um, because social media is work and vice versa. Um, so I try to make sure that if I am on social media, um, it's for fun um, after 6 p.m. So I mm -hmm. tend to like, I'll scroll through TikTok. That's probably my biggest thing that I'll do or watch Instagram stories. <laughs> um, but uh, for the most part, like even Facebook, I avoid Facebook um, after 6 p.m. because usually it's people tagging me in things that I have to actually deal with and I always open it and I'm like oh why did I do that now I have to remember to go look for it tomorrow morning mm -hmm. um so I try to avoid social media um in that sense and I try mm -hmm. to focus on doing other things with family or friends in the evenings uh mm -hmm. when I can do you separate like maybe you have a separate number or something for for business or separate chat for business so that to to keep the message flow uh, separate in in between your private life and after life after six and before six <laughs> uh so all of my clients we communicate through slack so my facebook messenger is not used for clients mm. um which makes it really easy because then when i see a, a notification for the most part um, it's not work related or it's somebody reaching out to me and I direct them to our website. Um, so for the most part, my, my Facebook messenger, um, communications aren't, um, they're not, they are, some of them are work related, but they're rarely, very rarely the conversation stays there. It goes through email or somewhere else. Um, and so I do kind of keep those things separate. And that's one of the things with my clients. So we have a clear rule that like, you can message me through Slack, you can message me via email um or in our trello boards but that's that's it i'm not mess i i don't respond to messages through instagram or facebook or anywhere else because i've had that before where mm -hmm. clients are messaging me 
on Instagram and I'm like, oh no, like this is my safe place. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's, this is that's, not... that's what, that's exactly what I want to find, uh, wanted to find out. Like, do you have a private safe place where, where you keep it only uh, like personal related? Yeah. So that in terms of personal, anything online is, is public. Um, I have, the only thing I don't do is I po don't post pictures of my niece and nephews um online and those are posted uh to a very close group of people mm -hmm. but um other than that everything is public because honestly things can be screenshotted and posted publicly anyway so i want to make sure anything i'm putting out there is something that i'd be willing to put out there mm -hmm. for anybody um so i don't really have necessarily a, a social media platform that's just me mm -hmm. um I have a whole mental health personal brand on top of it so mm -hmm. oh, what does that mean um so all of my social media my personal social media so Nicole Housen um we like we talk about social media and virtual assistants but we also talk a lot about mental health oh. um and what that looks like so tell us a bit uh, more about that yeah so um I have a blog called Defying Shadows with uh, I think there's 10 other women uh that write uh, their mental health warriors. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I was a teenager and then bipolar disorder in 2014 and PTSD a few years later. Um, so I've got a whole mixture of mental health concerns. And so I was like, you know what, if I got to live it, I'm going to make sure somebody else gets something from it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really focus on educating people and encouraging them. Um, I have resources out there for social media managers and virtual assistants that need a safe place to go when they have mental health concerns. Because that was a big thing for me. I was like, where do I go without my clients seeing it? Um, and so I wanted to have a safe place. And so I try to provide that as much as I can. For, Beautiful. Um, that's, that's, well. a, that's a big mission. Mm -hmm. Wow. So uh, let's look at um, the idea of what would you suggest to people? What kind of insights can you give them on finding that balance in their life between business, between family and self-care? Um, set time for yourself. That's a like a really big thing that I had to learn was setting that time. If you have to put it in your calendar that from this time to this time, I am unavailable because I am doing X, Y, and Z. Um, the nice thing, not that there's anything good about the pandemic, but the nice thing about it is that our family has really gotten into a routine of uh, we eat dinner and then we do something together. Um, at least part of our family does something together. And so um, we're really family focused now. Uh, whereas before it was kind of every does their own thing. And when mm -hmm. everybody's doing their own thing, Nicole tends to try to work. So <laughs> um, we try not to do that anymore. Um, so uh, yeah, so set, set boundaries for yourself, put in the calendar if you have to have people um hold you accountable to that um i like to book like calls with friends throughout the week or um, video calls or zoom calls with mm -hmm. uh colleagues um maybe not clients but people that are in the similar industries just to kind of chat with them and get to know them um or just catch up with them so if i got that correctly is uh, booking time for time for yourself yes and uh, I believe for many listeners, we're used to doing uh, like booking time for business, booking time for work, booking time for business-related activities, and actually blocking out time to, let's say, be alone or work on hobbies 
isn't something that is practiced a lot. But as Nicole said, I 100% back it, the idea that setting out time to be with yourself, to take care of yourself, to be with your family, and especially like um, more and more here, like scheduling time with your significant other, with your family, like uh, creating rituals that you follow through together, like on certain dates, like have a pizza Friday or whatnot, right? So scheduling time for what's important for you in life is one of the great advice you can give. Thank you, Nicole, for sharing as well. Yeah, of course. So let's look at the idea of um, making decisions and setting those priorities. As you said, uh, you have a really strict schedule from 10 to 6. That's fully work-related activities after six you just go offline and spend time of what is important for your life rather than for your business and mm -hmm. um how do you make decisions and set priorities to uh, let's say be on time and uh, be with the right people at the right time yeah so if it's in my calendar it gets done if it's not and it's not written in my to-do list, then it, it probably won't happen. Um, that's that's kind of how I was organized. Uh, like, for example, today, I, I was supposed to have a call today, and I missed the first half of it because I didn't put it in my calendar. Um, and thankfully, it wasn't a really important one, and I tend to make sure that I'm at client meetings and that sort of thing. Um, it was kind of an additional call, um, but it wasn't in my calendar. So until I got a message from somebody through Facebook, and I got that 10 minutes later, um, I didn't, I didn't even think of it. So mm. making sure that everything is in my calendar. I'm also super lax. If I'm being honest, like uh, my calls and meetings don't start till 10. Um, some days I start earlier and then some days I start at 10 in the morning or 10 30 or whenever. Um, I usually 10 is the, the latest, um, that I would start working, but, um, I just know that it protects me from, um, from over overextending myself and then throughout the day like I, there's days where I'm like you know what I need I need a 45 minute break I'm gonna go for a walk I'm gonna do this I'm gonna go get a coffee and just talk to somebody or watch TikTok for 20 minutes um just to be able to um to give myself that space mm. so uh you're heavily using the calendar to basically block out time to set what's important and um how, how do you make the decision of what is important and what is not um if it's client related then it's important if it's business related um and it's going to move the needle then it's important if it's going to help me in my mental health then it's important if it's not then if i have time fantastic if i don't well then it's just not going to happen and so i have had to learn how to say no to good things um, that I just like, you know, it doesn't fit into my mission. I've had to pass up on being panels, which a year ago I would have been like, oh my gosh, it's all I ever wanted to be was on this panel with all these amazing people. And then now it's like, okay, but is that really going to get me any further in my business or where I'm wanting to go? No. So I'm going to have to say, no, I'm going to have to pass. And so it's just really lining everything up and looking at where does this line up with my vision of where I want to be next year? Mm. You've mentioned that um, being aligned with the mission. Uh, let's look at the idea. Like, do you have an ideal life scenario or how far ahead do you plan? 
Um, so I have every year, uh, right about this time, I sit down, I write up my goals for the next year, what I'd like to do. I'm not a huge, not huge in the whole um, New Year's resolution. Uh, I tend to make like a year long goal. So like this past year, I wanted to go gluten free because I know um, that I'm gluten intolerant, but you know, mm. sometimes we're stubborn. Uh, so for 2020, I was like, I'm going gluten free. And so on January 1st, I was like, no more gluten. And sure enough, I did actually uphold that. Um, I had one cheat day, like two weeks ago, worst thing I'd ever done. It was not worth it. Um, so I was like, okay, awesome. Um, but in terms of like different new year's resolutions, I don't really focus on that so much as where do I want to be next year around this time? And then what do I have to do to get there? Um, and so like last year I had my list all year. Um, or this year rather, um, for 2020 up on my list and watched as some things happened and some things didn't. Like I wanted to travel three times this year. Well, we didn't travel anywhere this year because our first trip was scheduled in March and we went into lockdown. So um, it just didn't, some things didn't happen and that's okay. Um, but some things did happen. Like I got to be a speaker in an international conference, even though I was supposed to do it in Minnesota and I couldn't get there, I was able to do it virtually. So stuff like that, it's just really cool how it all worked out. So I can look back and go, Oh, cool. Awesome. I did all of these things. Mm. Um, and some of the goals were scary goals where I was like, I don't think I'm actually going to reach that. Um, and it was just something you work towards. And, um, then looking at the end of the year and going, Oh my gosh, I actually met that goal. I never mm. thought that was going to be possible. All right. Uh, what about the mission? Uh, how how long ago did you form it, and what's it what it is about? Oh, it changes so drastically. Uh, like four months ago, uh, or five months ago, it would have been about having social media management clients, and now this year it's about building up an agency that we can have um, double or triple the amount of virtual assistant clients. Um, so it, it changes drastically in terms of business side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, my, and then I have my whole mental health side of things that I really, um, I'm really passionate about. And I have goals of like how many podcasts I want to be on talking about it or, um, how many blog posts we want to get put out or, um, where I want to be published and that sort of thing. So I have like goals and missions for, um, for that, but the end all mission for really anything that I'm doing is that I want to help people in some way. Um, and if I can do that through social media, through virtual assistance or through, any of my mental health uh, advocate work, then then I, I feel like I'm successful. Mm -hmm. So you have those ideas and then uh, you weight the, the thing that you need to decide to do or not to do based upon where you're heading. Exactly. Mm -hmm. How do you uh, how do you manage to plan uh, your week? So as you said, you, you have your goals for, for the year. How do you manage to stay productive on a weekly basis? Um, so I use Todoist. Um, and so I have all my to-do tasks in there. Um, and so every day it auto-populates a to-do list for me. So a lot of my stuff is I have to do daily or have to, it has to be done every couple of days. And so it automatically puts all those things into the to-do to list for mm -hmm. me. Um, so I just, every day I start, I get my cup of coffee. I start off with some self-care, whether I'm reading, listening to audiobook talking with my sister for a little bit or scrolling on TikTok. Um, I do something for me and then I sit down and I start with my emails usually to make sure there's nothing pressing. Um, and then I message all my Slack, my team me members or my clients back on Slack. And then I jump into my to-do list. Uh, and so every day looks 
drastically different, um, but everything gets done. Well, well I, I would say that you do have a schedule, right? You start with yourself, yeah. you have a coffee, uh, then you connect with, with your team, then you check emails. So th there is a pattern there, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, and all right, the, the question is, uh, if you're the person that is focusing on to-dos, for many of us, we have a tendency to have a forever growing to-do list. How do you manage to counterbalance that? <laughs> That's such a great question. So uh, like I said, I used to do is, um, so I assign things uh, days. So if it's something I'm like, oh, I really want to do this, but honestly, I'm not ready for it yet. Um, I'll bump it for like a week or a month. Mm -hmm. um, I was just looking at my to-do uh, to list for next week. Um, so I was looking for something. I knew I'd scheduled it in there somewhere. And I saw something. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I scheduled that out two months ago because I thought I'd be ready to do it in January. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's probably not going to happen till June of next year. But it's still on there. So mm -hmm. it's a never-ending to-do list. Um, but my day-to-day -day list doesn't look so drastic and scary um, because I can put things out and say, okay, I want to do this this do you, month. Or do, do you, well, uh, even though having that procedure, we can get to a point that we have many lists that contain <laughs> themselves of super, like dozens of ideas. How do you manage that? Um, it comes back to like what, what works and what, like what's going to get me further ahead. What can I outsource is another question that I ask myself. Can mm. I give this to somebody else to do? If so, then awesome. We'll do it. If not, um, and it has to be me, then it might not get done right away. Um, if at all, I literally have in my to-do list, a little section of project that says needs to be done ASAP, but not right now. Um, and <laughs> it's all yeah. stuff that I'm like, oh, when I have time, I will do it. Um, and Honestly, I should probably go back through and look at it because probably half the stuff doesn't even need to be done anymore. Time's passed. <laughs> Actually, for, for you, I believe this would be really interesting to know and for listeners as well. Um, maybe you have came across it before. Do you know such, uh, such thing as the Eisenhower's main tricks? It sounds familiar, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, to be honest. So, so basically, it's uh, you're, you have four uh four squares where each square represents uh a dislocation for a task that you have in front of you um four of them are divided in the following way so the first square is all about the firefighting so those are the things that you have to do right here and now and there's no way you cannot do it so it's a firefighting activity that mm -hmm. uh, is just right there and now so uh, and the Eisenhower's matrix is is uh, is a tool to set priorities and make decisions. I just remembered it because you said it so well in in the terms of that there can be things that we just don't need to do anymore. So the Eisenhower's matrix specifically works to make the decision where to dislocate that task in your priority list. So the first one, as I said, firefighting do it right here, right now. It cannot be put off. Otherwise, there will be really bad consequences. Like, uh, well, firefighting. That's that's one of the biggest right explanations for it. Yeah. Uh, the second dislocation is um, basically is the thing that um, works for the future. So those are the activities that 
you should be doing and they serve the future so those activities are the main activities you should focus on because they are building your goals they're building your vision they're building your mission and those things you need to prioritize and get on them as soon as you finish with the firefighting the the other thing is where you balance out uh, and make a decision is this really a firefighting case or it goes into the third, uh, third box. The third box is the delegation. So as you said, can you delegate the task to someone else? And that's a wonderful thing to, for many people to know. You don't have to do everything yourself. You can hire a virtual assistant. And there are many tasks on your to-do list that can go into the bucket of delegating because you don't need to do it yourself. Yeah. And the last bucket is... I would call it fuck it bucket that you just don't need it. It doesn't serve you. It's a, it's potentially a good to have, but it doesn't serve you. You don't need to do it now. It's unimportant and you can just write it off. If yeah. you know that you're not going to do it today, you're not going to do it tomorrow and probably you're not going to do it in a week and it's not as necessary for your life, just delete it and you feel Absolutely. much more lighter. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's the idea of the Eisenhower matrix. And uh, just in addition to what you said, right, there can be things that you need to delegate. There can be things that you need to delete from the to-do to list. And at the same time, understand what to focus your attention on uh, is understanding your mission, understanding your values and what to focus on. So yeah, thank you for sharing for, uh, the idea. How, how do you process your to-do list? Mm -hmm. uh, looking at uh, the activities that help you to grow your business, what do you do on a monthly, on a weekly, and a daily basis? Do you have any specific activities that you spread in those timeframes? Um, I have some client work that I can't hand off to my team. Uh, like we were talking about having NDAs and that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's stuff I have to do personally. Um, all our client meetings is me. Um, I don't have my team meet with my, my clients. That's me. Um, and then um, any like sales calls or um, messages and that sort of thing. So a lot of my a lot of my work each week is just communicating with my team and with my clients. Well, what what what, I'm, what I meant here with this question is um, like the activities that actually serve to grow your business. It's not specifically client related to the ones that you have, but. It's uh, the activities that help you to grow the business and get more clients. Do you have such kind of activities throughout the month or throughout the week or throughout the day? Yeah, yeah. So we do like email marketing. Um, so that's, we do that at least once a week, if not more. Um, creating content, um, which again, I outsource um, to my team, but like we create content for our business, YouTube videos and that sort of thing has mm -hmm. to be me because it's my face. Um, mm -hmm. Same with TikTok. Um, yeah, and then we have, I literally have two team members that scour Facebook groups and that sort of thing, looking for leads that way. And then I they tag me and I message them. And um, so we have a everything that I can outsource is outsourced, um, but then I take everything from them and, and go from there. Mm, very nice. Uh, can you tell a little bit more about the idea of those uh, scouts? How do you work with them? Uh, like, well, what is uh, was it? What is it like to hire a scout for yourself? 
Yeah, so they're part of my team. Uh, they do other work for me as well. Um, and so I just have them. Uh, I have a list of Facebook groups that I, I know are people are constantly looking for people like me. Um, and they're posting asking if anybody knows somebody. And so I have um, those two team members. They're in different time zones. They kind of hit different times of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go through the, the groups and tag me in it. And so this is something we just started doing like maybe a week ago, mm-hmm. maybe two weeks ago now. Um, but just to kind of continue to bring more people in and open those doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the new year, focusing really on dropping lots of value in Facebook groups. It's going to be really important to you. Not even, not just um, like commenting on posts that um would be potential leads but like answering questions like somebody has a very commonly question asked question about virtual assistants then i can jump in and answer those questions mm. um so that way people see me and they recognize me that's how i got the first 10 clients was just from being in facebook groups and providing lots of value um so i know it works and so i'm going to keep doing it wow can you share the idea like uh, do they uh, share the value from or they tag you or what is the process of you finding those posts where you can deliver value yeah so for the value ones that that's me i have my group my list of groups that i go through um so every day i'll look in the groups um i set aside time during my day to scroll through facebook and it's not it's not your average like oh look at my friends um it's more scrolling through and looking at facebook groups and being like oh you know what i can jump in the answer that question um how much I, time do you devote to that per day uh an hour a day minimum usually mm. all right so a, a minimum one hour you invest mm-hmm. into providing value to the communities you're in for the sole purpose for people to know that there is an expert out there that can support them and help them Super. I believe that that works for any industry, right? No matter who you are and what you do, that's that's a great strategy. And just the example of uh, like you also, there there are others who whom I've uh, interviewed. They're also saying the same thing: like be in the groups, provide value, and many provide value more than an hour a day. And just for all the listeners out there, remember it, it's it's not about uh, doing it once a week or doing it occasionally. This is work. This is the lead generation activity that needs to be done daily. And if you are a service provider, you have to communicate with your potential clients on a daily basis. And if you're not doing that, you're missing a lot of business. Like for example, Nicole here is doing at least an hour of reach out and providing value. Can you give us uh, like a number idea of how many uh, posts do you manage to respond to per day for per that per that hour, for example? Oh gosh, that's <laughs> that's a really hard question to answer because sometimes a question might take um, a minute and a half to respond to, and then other times it can turn into a conversation where I'm there for ten minutes responding back and forth to comments um, mm. throughout the day. So. It really depends, um, but I I go through five to ten Facebook groups um, a day. That really helps, but um, usually there's at least one question in each of those groups that I have responded to. Mm. So five to ten groups is, uh, so you basically finish up when you're done with the groups, or how do you feel that it's uh, not like you're done your part for the day? 
yeah, so I scroll through and I look through um, like the recent posts that people have been posting or the top posts um, that are in the group. And then when I start hitting old content again, then I usually stop unless I haven't found any new content. And then I'll scroll back further and see if there's anything that I've missed. Mm, got you. That, that's a good strategy. I believe that's, that's something that every single person out there can implement now and provide a huge boost to uh, 2021 because that's the exact thing that actually drives leads. Do you remember, well, like, as you said, like the first 10 clients that you got into your business was through providing value? Do you remember what kind of content you created back then? Uh, it was all social media related, educating on social media. Um, the, the interesting thing is, um, although business owners are looking for information on social media, um, a lot of them are just going to hire somebody else to do it. And it's the social media managers that are watching all the content that you put on YouTube about social media because they're <laughs> trying to learn how to do their jobs. Um, that's how I learned the majority of my stuff. Like I went to school for marketing. I didn't, I didn't even take a social media marketing class. I was exempt from it. Um, so uh, it, was, it was great in the marketing sense of things, but it didn't help me with my business at all um, on the, for the online business part of it. Um, so I learned everything through YouTube and articles and online, um, online courses and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, basically, as you said, you, you said, right, that you've answered just simple questions. How did people reach out? How did they get to know that you were actually doing it? Um, I just posted, uh, I'm part of a mastermind. I posted in the mastermind and I said, Hey, you guys, I've decided to do this. If you know anybody, let me know. Um, and then I landed 10 clients that were in that mastermind. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, every time I had an opening, I was like, hey, I'm taking maybe one, two more clients if anybody knows anybody. And then they just kept filling up. Um, so I finally hit a point where I think I've maxed out the amount of people I can take from that mastermind. Um, so um, then just looking for other places, posting publicly on social media, um, and then continuing to engage in those groups where social media managers are and offer mm -hmm. to help them in any way that they can and then friending them on Facebook. That, that's, an, uh, that's a great strategy. I believe that uh, for, for many, this is one of the best sales techniques out there where you don't sell to the person what you're doing, but you're actually asking them who do they know who can use that service. And in many cases, you will find out that either they know someone or they needed themselves and that's a beautiful example nicole said <laughs> you just found people who need it right away yeah cool um looking at the idea of uh, i want to jump into the question about the surrounding and you've, you've mentioned that you're part of the mastermind and um how did that came about how did you find out about masterminds and what did masterminds bring into your life and business yeah, so my mentor, Rachel Peterson, she runs Social Media United, which is where I learned most of what I do for social media through. Um, and her next level up is her social click. Um, and so I joined the social click a year ago. Um, and it's been really great um, coaching and um, support from her and from her team and the uh, all the other people in the mastermind because we've got uh, YouTube experts and LinkedIn experts and and. Facebook ad strategists and all these different people in that group. So everybody just kind of works together and offers value in, in that sort of way. 
what is the mastermind about like what are the activities that uh you guys engage into there um so we have we have calls each week uh like a coaching call and a training call um well we have different challenges that are posted in there sometimes um yeah it, it varies what it looks like but it's always providing lots of value mm. uh, what did you like you said you you were there for for a year um what did you feel was the major thing that you got out of participating in masterminds not, not just like connecting with all those different people who could uh, teach you um their expertise well, what else did you get from there i discovered what my passion was through there my friend that i talked to she's from the social click um mm -hmm. she's actually coached through the social click um and i I figured out what I wanted to do with my life and made sense of all of that. And I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been in the click. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> right. So uh, looking into um, also the idea of, uh, of the surrounding, um, having uh, been on that journey, right, where, where you first were, uh, in a family environment where you, basically you had a family business and outgrowing it, starting your own company in a different thing. How did your surrounding influence uh, your development and success and growth of business? Um, I guess it was just a mindset thing. Like a lot of people, when they decide they want to start their own business, they have to face their parents and say, hey, I want to do this. And the parents were like, yeah, but when are you getting a real job? Um, and I kind of skipped that step um, because my, at least my dad understood. Um, he, he's like, yeah, let's like do it. Like as long as you're making money, like as long as this is working for you, go for it. Um, and so there wasn't really that, that having to like mm -hmm. explain what I like that I, I am actually going to make a business out of it. Um, so it, it was kind of interesting that way. And I mean, I growing up on a farm, you learn like you learn how to work hard. You learn that everybody pitches in um, on all those core values that um, are really important to be a leader um, were instilled from a very young age. So I was able to kind of pull all that in together too. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's uh, like, um, did you have uh, on your way some additional mentors or people who supported you and how did you find them yeah yeah so i had a really great business advisor um through a nonprofit locally um they help small businesses in the tech industry get started and up and running and so right after my burnout um i worked with him and he helped me get set up with automations um, and, and that sort of thing. So that way I was not running around doing the exact same things every single day, but there was no reason why I needed to be doing it. Um, mm -hmm. and so he helped me get set up with business systems and strategies and everything. Um, so that way I was saving myself a lot of time and effort. Um, mm -hmm. so Can him and then Rachel Peterson has been my mentor for years. Cool. Can you tell us a little bit more about that opportunity that you seized for the local nonprofit? What's that about? Um, so they, they, they reached out to me, honestly. Um, they were looking for, not looking for clients. They have lots of clients, but uh, they saw what I was doing and thought, you know what, there's, there's definitely uh, things we can do to kind of help Nicole out. And so uh, originally I thought they were selling me on something and I was like, no, I'm not interested. 
Um, they're like, no, no, it's free, honest. Um, <laughs> so I ended up uh, giving them a chance and I was super skeptical. And then um, after after meeting with them, I was like, oh, okay, actually this is, this is legit. This is actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, Are there many other companies like that or can others find that in their own like state or do you know anything about that? I honestly, I wouldn't know. Um, you can definitely check. I think there's like incubators or accelerators and that sort of thing in different um, locations or um, ah, like can... so it's connected to to the incubators and accelerators. All right. So for, for all this that don't know, there's a thing that is called an accelerator or incubator of the business. Incubator is where you can come in with an idea and they provide you support on how to make that idea a business. And an accelerator is when you have a functioning business, you already have sales and clients and they help you to put systems in place to grow that business as well as get funding to scale it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the ideas of uh, the incubators and the accelerators. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Um, also like talking in the, in the direction of, um, outsourcing uh, it, within the business, right? You, you've mentioned about the first hire where, where you got her to um, do some things for 20 hours a week. Um, how, how did you decide which things to outsource and which things to keep to yourself at first? Um, all the stuff that I really hated doing went on the list of what can I outsource. Uh, <laughs> That was like the easiest way to kind of go through it. And then anything that like anybody could do, if I showed them how to do it, they could do it. If I could explain it to my mom, my dad, or my sister and be like, hey, can you do this? Um, I'd have to pay them a whole lot of money for them to actually be willing to do it. But they would they'd be able to do it. <laughs> um, and so that's, um, if I knew that I could hand that off to somebody else, then I was like, okay, that's what I can hand off first. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said to you, they were interns first. So... Um, I had them working on stuff ahead of time. And mm-hmm. if they proved themselves through that, then I just turned it into a paid position. Uh, where did you find those people to get started uh, on an intern position? Facebook groups. Mm. Okay. So basically, you, you've, got, you've made that list of what you hate to do, <laughs> what you don't want to do and need help with. Uh, you went into Facebook groups, you shouted out that you're looking for interns or what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. Put out saying I was looking for some interns, potential ability to, um, get a paid position at the end. Um, and then, uh, onboarded a few of them. So I onboarded, I think there was eight interns total and two of them turned into paid positions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really get to know them over the, it's a two month internship. They spend eight hours a week. Um, the, one of the ways that I narrowed it down, um, this last time was I, I reached out to three people that I was thinking about potentially hiring and I gave them the ability to work an extra 10 hours a week, um, for paid position. Um, and two of them just didn't take me up on it. And I was like, okay, they're not, they're not going to be my next hire because if they can't work 18 hours a week, there's no way they're going to commit to 20. Um, (laughs) and so, um, that was a really easy way to narrow down who I was actually going to hire next. Very interesting. So uh, you had a process where two months internship, uh, you get to, they dedicate to you eight hours a week. So that's uh, a a summary of 32 hours a month uh, where they assist you, help you with things. 
get things done, show what they're capable of. And uh, what did you look at as a result? Like, uh, as you said, they're independent contractors. Uh, mm -hmm. What are you looking at in terms of, uh, you know, a, a wage for them? Because you said they're all over the world. How, how do you make that decision? Uh, how much you're going to pay that person if, if they're in different parts of the world? Yeah, so um, I usually ask them what their rates are and start mm. there. Um, there. At the are, beginning? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, if they have a website, I look at their website. I usually do a little background research. Um, and then that helps me pick who I want to potentially hire as an internship mm. to. Uh, if they, if I know that I'm never going to be able to afford them, then I don't waste their time with an internship because they're they're never going to get that paid position, right? Mm -hmm. um, and or at least not <laughs> at least not right now. Um, so I kind of look at their rates ahead of time. Um, I have standard rates for um, specific level of virtual assistant mm -hmm. uh, from there, but. And they they go on to like Irish searching specifically for VAs, or are you looking for people from different like uh, backgrounds or specific like niche skills? Um, social media managers and virtual assistants. Mm, A lot gotcha. of our VAs are also social media managers. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, what do you believe uh, for a for an entrepreneur or solopreneur who's out there? Uh, who should be the first hire? Should it be a VA or someone else? That really depends on what you need. I think a VA is really um, one of the easiest things to hire because they can do a multitude of different things. Mm -hmm. um, but look at what what's absorbing the most of your time, what's taking the most amount of time out of your day um that you shouldn't be spending your time on if that is social media um and you need a full presence then maybe looking at hiring a social media manager um or if you just need a little bit of um support in social media but you also need a lot of help in administration then maybe a va is the better thing i mean i'm a little bit biased because i want everybody to hire a virtual assistant so that'll help me <laughs> but, but that's a great answer like you provided all around <laughs> answer right there look at what is actually draining your time what mm -hmm. you need to outsource, what you hate to do. And based upon that thing, uh, hire a person that will satisfy that need. Wonderful answer. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as it gets, but is as on point as it can be. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's cover uh, one more important question. You, you've mentioned that um, you've set yourself a lot of strict boundaries and this helps you to take care of yourself and this helps you to maintain your mental health. I want to combine those two things together. And I would love to hear your perspective on self-care and mental health. How do you sustain that and what helps you? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, so self-care up until two years ago, I used to roll my eyes and be like, oh my gosh, yes, I know. I should take bubble baths and do face masks and all the things. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to. I am not a bubble bath, face mask kind of person. And it doesn't sound relaxing. So I was like, you know, like this whole self-care thing um, is overrated until I was like, hey, like what, what's the definition of self-care? Who says it has to be a bubble bath? So mm. for me, self-care is starting the morning with coffee and reading a book or listening to an audiobook or talking to my sister. Very simple. Like, um, so self-care can be anything. Sometimes self-care is going for a walk. Sometimes it's just saying you know what i'm gonna set a timer and scroll through instagram for 
for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, my self-care a lot of times doesn't look like social media because <laughs> that's where my my life is and my, my job, but um, it, it can be. So really figure out what self-care looks like for you and what makes you relaxed and recharged. If it's doing that, then it can be self-care. Wonderful answer, once again. Um, looking into the perspective of mental health, um, as you said, you, you, you had several mental health concerns as well in your life. Um, what helps you to uh, kind of support your mental health? Do you have any rituals or do you practice something on an on a ongoing basis to support you? Um, so in terms of mental health, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that a combination of there's nothing wrong with taking medication. There's nothing wrong with therapy. So I, I utilize both. Um, I do a lot of reading about self-care and, um, self-development books and that sort of thing. Um, I have my favorite people to kind of follow on social media that are mental health related. Um, so I, I can't say that there's anything I, People have told me to try meditation and maybe in two years from now, I'll stop rolling my eyes at that. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. And I don't know why I never did it, um, which is probably what's going to happen. But for, for now, meditation is not something that I, it's on my list of things that I do. Um, but it definitely, it can be for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Can you tell a couple of words, if you can, uh, about therapy? Uh, what kind of therapy do you engage into, right? Well, maybe uh, the, um, the style of therapy that, uh, that you've experienced and what, what could, can you tell about it? Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's totally, there's so many different ways that therapy can work. Um, one of my favorites is CBD, um, CBT. Yeah, CBT, um, yeah. Yeah, so cognitive behavior therapy. And that's been really great to kind of figure out like, um, kind of how, how your brain's working, but like how you're making decisions properly. And, um, and so it's been really great um, for where I was at my mental health. But mm -hmm. at first I just needed somebody to sit there and let me talk mm -hmm. um, and let me just get it out. Um, because my, my mom, although she's amazing and she listens to all my rants, sometimes she can't be that person for me because she's my mom and I just need somebody else that I can talk to. So it really depends on what I need and what, um, what I'm struggling with to really determine who I'm going to reach out to. Mm, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I, I fully support that uh, as well. Uh, my wife is a psychotherapist and she's also practicing CBT. And uh, I know that this is one of the most uh, legit, let's say, in, in terms of scientific background uh, methods of uh, psychotherapy. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really a great share. Thank you. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap this conversation up with one important question. What advice can you give to our listeners right now that they can do right now to make the most out of 2021 for the business? Dream big, write those goals down and put them somewhere where you're looking at them every single day. Things somebody told me to do this year was write down on on my wall how much money I want to make each month, and then write down every time I got um, a payment to to work towards that. And I thought it was a load of fooey. Um, and uh, I 
I tried it. And sure enough, by the end of the month, I had made that amount. And I was like, how is that even possible? But it was because every day I'd see that number and I was making conscious choices to work towards getting that goal. So write your goals out, put them somewhere where you're going to see them all the time and then work towards it. Wow. That's a powerful share. So did I uh, hear it correctly? So you basically set yourself an income goal. You stick it, mm -hmm. stuck it on a wall. And every time that you get income, you uh, like cross it out or what do you do? Or you do like uh, additional, like uh, below it, summarize that income or how does it go? Yes. Yeah, so it's called a money map. We have like a calendar um and then over on the side we have the total amount you want to make and then um how much you have to make still um or you can do it the other way and say how much i've made so far mm -hmm. um but then you just write down on the calendar okay i made this much today and then you deduct that from the total amount or add it to the total amount um and then you watch it as it works do you have like is there a specific template that you can share uh, that how honestly, it works? honestly just find a calendar uh -huh. and, and write it out. I don't, I just kind of, I bought one of those stick on your wall calendars uh -huh. that I can wipe the dates off of. <laughs> That's all I have. Um, some people have like Excel files for it. Um, but yeah, it could simply be a piece of paper where you just keep track of, um, of your income. Very cool. So uh, end goal for the end of the month and each time you get an income, you summarize and you look how far away you're from the goal. And that helped you to achieve that goal, even though you didn't perceive that that would be possible that month. Exactly. Super. Like, wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So Nicole, thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing your journey, demystifying what virtual assistants is i hope that every single listener uh, understood what it's about um if anyone has any additional questions um please ask in the comments below to this episode um either you're listening on uh, on youtube or, or in facebook in linkedin on any platform uh where uh, the episode is uh linked to our uh, life origami podcast page uh, and uh, I will be glad to share more insights about that. And Nicole will be with us as well to provide you more information on virtual assistants, uh, as well as if any one of you are interested about to know uh, how to hire your own virtual assistant or hire Nicole's team to help you out with your business. I'll provide all the information below in the description, as well as links on how to find Nicole on social media and get in touch with her. Thank you, Nicole, for being with us. It was a pleasure to have you on as a guest. Awesome, thank you so much for having me. You are listening to Life Origami Podcast with Alan Lee. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. Would love to hear what you found especially valuable in the comments below.